All right, folks. We've made it. I don't know how many days it's been, but it is May 27th, 2021. And the offseason has come to a halt. But that's okay. Because your friends here at Perfect Spiral have something really fun in store for you over the next couple of months. And that is the Perfect Spiral Legend Series. Dun, dun, dun. I wish I had like some like form of singing ability in my body, but I don't. But we are very, very excited to bring this to you today. John, I know, is pumped to talk about this. We worked really hard on this. Uh, we're starting with the Diva Group today. We are going to break down our algorithm. We're going to break down the list of candidates who made the initial list. And then we will break down our top 11. It's perfect spiral like you've never heard it before. Legends, active players, booms, busts, Super Bowl champions, Hall of Fame players. They are all coming together in one fell swoop as we bring them to the Legend Series. Let's go, everybody. Let's roll. Johnny, jacked up? I'm jacked up. <laughs> he jacked up? Yeah, I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go. <clears throat> I, I, I am very excited. And if you're wondering what you just heard, that was some new Perfect Spiral intro music by our producer, Spencer Blinn. Shout out to Spencer. Great job, Spencer. Really. John said one word, epic. And that's what we got. So we got some new music for you. We have a new quote-unquote series for you. And John, you're the one who brought this to my attention. This is kind of like your baby. What are you expecting today? What what do you, what do you want what do you want to accomplish out of this legend series? I think what it accomplishes is that we create like our own pantheon of greats, right? Like we we watch football, we like football. We, we talk about football. football. We love football. Um and there's just so many great players and it's cool for us to like have the opportunity to break down all these different players from all different eras, put them together on one list and like give the people our definitive top 11 that we have. Yeah. And we created, and, and Joe, you created a fantastic algorithm that you're going to explain to everybody yeah. um, to break this down. So it's, it really is a labor of love for sure. We didn't just like take players and be like, Oh, we like him here and here. No, we have like a point system right. that breaks down everything. It takes every single accomplishment that these players have into account. So you want to explain that? Yeah. I mean, let's get into it. I don't want to waste any more time. We have a lot of things to go through. So here's what we're going to do first. We're going to break down our point system for you. And this is something that uh, I came up with, and we're calling it our raw score algorithm, and it goes a little something like this, okay? So for every player that's going to make this list, and every player that's going to be considered for this list is going to get quote-unquote points for the following categories, okay? Uh, how many years they played in the league? 10 plus years, 15 plus years. Um, how many Pro Bowls they've made, how many All-Pro seasons that they've had, um, how many winning seasons that they've been a part of on a team, how many playoff wins that they've been a part of. 
Um, how many Super Bowl appearances? How many Super Bowl wins? So winning's important in this, okay? Mm-hmm. And when we explain the list, you'll understand why winning's important in all this. And lastly, obviously, if they're a member of the Hall of Fame, uh, this is also a part of that list. And people may say initially, well, what about the guys that are active uh, that are, obviously can't be in the Hall of Fame? Well, you might say that they're at a disadvantage. I disagree. Um, now, I will give you a little tidbit. Uh, there is not an active wide receiver on our list. Not one. However, I genuinely don't believe any of the active wide receivers today are part of the 11 greatest receivers of all time. Um, so kudos to that. I, I think, I think our system works in that respect, mm-hmm. uh, for the wide receivers specifically. So we had a, we had, we had to come up with a, like a threshold, right? Mm-hmm. And we had to do it where it wasn't, it wasn't, um, because obviously the league has become a passing league yep. or from the, from away from the fifties to now. Right. So we had to come up with a number specifically on what was fair to both older players and what was fair to the newer generational players. Because there are some receivers who played in the 50s and 60s and 70s who just don't have the numbers because that wasn't what the game was. But their accomplishments still should hold for something. And they were part of great teams. And a couple of those guys are on our list, as they should be. So here are the numbers. 600 career receptions was the threshold to get points for that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, every 100 receptions, we would go up. 9,000 career receiving yards. 60 career touchdowns. Okay? And then, quote-unquote, accolades. uh, 100 catch seasons. 10 touchdown seasons. 15 touchdown seasons. 20 touchdown seasons. A couple of guys eclipsed that number on our list. Uh, And then, 1,000-yard receiving years. 1500 yard receiving years and 2000 yard receiving years. Okay. Nobody, re- and I don't believe anybody re- got a 2000. No, that was close though. I think Calvin was the closest, right? 1964. I think something like that. Yeah. John, based off of that kind of go get, what do you think? Do you think that there was something that we missed a mark on? One thing that maybe is more important than the other. How would you gauge our point system before we even start this discussion? Is there something that you think, uh, that we're, we're, cause we're going to reveal our list in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, is there something that you think stood out more than something else when you see, after seeing the list initially? Um, no, because I, I think the list and, and the algorithm that we came up with here was really good, right? Because it brings to light. So it's, it's very easy for people to talk about certain players being the greatest of all time. Like me, like I love Julio Jones. I think Julio Jones is one of the best receivers I've ever seen. But when you actually break down the numbers and you go through the system, it's kind of like, well, yes, the eye, he passes the eye test as a player. But when you take everything into account, he doesn't really notch up with everybody else. And, and, and the, it's a, it's a great way to see where players from other eras fall into place with players from our era, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and like, that's, that's like a forgotten thing, right? And people also like to not talk about that. Like, with basketball, it's tough, right? You want to, you want to compare Will Chamberlain to LeBron James, but it's like, well, you know what? You, they're great players. Right. Like, they're How do you compare greats. Stephen Curry to a guy like Oscar Robinson when there was no three point line? Exactly. But you still have to take it into account because these right. are legends of the game. Absolutely. So, our point system allows us to have a nice balance and, and really show who we feel is the, the top 11 players at their position. Right. So, so, 
Let's go through the list yes. of all the guys that were considered. All right. There were 30, 39 members of this list who John and I came up with. And the way that we did it is me and John each came up with our own list. Obviously, many of the names were the same. There were some that were different, some that were left out, some that were not. We consolidated those lists and we came up with this raw score that we're going to give you uh, right now. And we're going to break down, not break down, we're going to just go through the guys that didn't make the list, right? Really quickly. Yeah. Right? So guys that did not make the list. Uh, And when we say list, we mean our top 11. Right. Exactly. So guys that were considered but did not make the list. Um, I'm not going to go through every single name, but a couple. Uh, Chad Johnson. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, Raymond Berry, who is an older receiver for the Baltimore Colts, um, Julio Jones, uh, and Julio Jones's raw score for everybody, especially people like John who love him was a 55, um, Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson, uh, Steve Smith, uh, Don Maynard, the hall of fame wide receiver for the New York Jets. Um, Anquan Bolden, Steve Largent, Rod Smith, Isaac Bruce, uh, Larry Fitzgerald with a raw score of 77, did not make the cut. Uh, Tim Brown, James Lofton, uh, Heinz Ward, and we're going to leave it there, I think. Mm-hmm. Because after we go halfway through the list, we're going to guys talk about some guys who just missed the cut. Yeah, there's a few good ones. There's there. a few good ones of guys yeah. who just... Those guys that we mentioned, I would say Heinz Ward. So just to give you a um, an idea, the cutoff for the raw score number, like the guy who was number 11 on the list was at a 97 raw score. And John, the guy who was number 12 on the list was at 96.5. Wow. So we, the guy who just missed the cut, right, is right there. And there were three, four other guys who were within three and a half points of cracking the list. Everybody else was about a significant amount number below. Mm-hmm. But those guys I want to go back to maybe halfway through the list. Like our notable mentions. Right. So... <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to start with number 11 on our list, a member of John's Minnesota Vikings. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, y'all. Spencer Blinn, the producer for Perfect Spiral Podcast, and you're listening to my band, Hollow Choir's new song, What You Want. Available now on Spotify. What you want? All right, guys, we're back here. We are counting down the 11 greatest wide receivers, according to John McCarthy and Joe Miglio, the PSP raw score algorithm. Uh, as many people might know, it's very similar to something that MLB Network does in their top 100 and their top 11 with the shredder, oh. the own point system. So, John, I'm going to hand over the mantle to you. Okay. Kind of teased it, but I think everyone knows what's coming here. Tell me who number 11 
on the legends all time wide receiver list is Chris Carter comes in at number 11 with a raw score of 97. 97 for Chris Carter. Chris Carter, man, the run that he had a couple of years. I mean, let's just so go through underrated. his accolades. Very underrated. Let's go through his accolades really quick. Sure. He's a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Minnesota Vikings, great. Eight time Pro Bowler, two time All Pro. And 1999 Walter Payton Man of the Year. That's that's not really that doesn't count in our algorithm, right. but it's nice to say that he's a Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, he had 1,101 receptions, 13,899 yards, and 130 touchdowns in 234 games. The run he had, he had a, a stretch of time: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons straight with over a thousand yards receiving. Five straight seasons with over. 10 touchdowns quite quite the stretch and this was this was back when the league wasn't as much of a passing league right Right. i mean he started what in the late 80s right he actually he made his debut well he didn't start he was on philly but he was just kind of like mediocre until he got to minnesota right um so he really took off in 1992 was his first big season um played 12 games 53 receptions 681 yards and six touchdowns and then after that is when he went on that run um and this is when the league wasn't as much of a passing league right um, so it's pretty interesting to see the numbers and, and a lot of those numbers are actually kind of similar to a couple of players now, mm. but man, he was, he was dominant. I mean, Chris Very Carter underrated. is, Chris Carter is a guy who obviously played alongside Randy Moss, Randall Cunningham, guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't really necessarily get the spotlight because Moss was there in the later years. And they were they were good early in the nineties, but they weren't like great. Yeah, right? middling. Yeah. So Carter was considered a receiver who was on a it was a really good receiver who was on a good team, but not a great team. People don't understand how good his hands were. Johnny had back to back a hundred and twenty two yes. catch seasons. Yes, and he had back to back. And Joe, I just want to point out that he had over. There, look at some of these numbers, man. In that 1994 season, that was an all-pro year, 122 receptions, almost 1,300 yards receiving and seven touchdowns, 188 targets. Oh the following gosh. year, 122 receptions, thirteen, almost 1,400 yards, 17 touchdowns. He led the league that year, 197 targets. That averages out to like at least 12, what, 12 targets a game? That's insane. And then not to mention, he followed that up with another 167, 158, 125, 137. He was getting almost 100 and, wow, over 130 targets up until 2001. That's incredible. Now, the downside to Chris Carter's career is the fact that he didn't play on a ton of winning teams. No. Uh he did not win a Super Bowl with the. He. I don't think. Yeah. He. He. He never won a Super Bowl. No. He never won. I don't think he uh, went to one. He, I think he. I don't think he was in one year. Right. He. The closest he ever got, and I hate to bring this up to you, John, licking wounds, but was the Morton Anderson miss field goal. Hmm. Uh, miss field goals are familiar for me. And so. uh, was it ninety eight? Ninety eight. Think so. Ninety nine. Yeah, ninety eight. Because the Falcons got blitzed by the by the Broncos mm-hmm. uh, in the Super Bowl that year, but. And then a couple years later, they like they got embarrassed by the Giants in 2000 or something like that. I yeah, remember. not fun. But Chris Carter is a guy who I just think severely underrated. Obviously, was in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, as he should be. Um, and he comes in at number 11 on our list simply because he is a guy who was just so consistent. 
Mm-hmm. Just unbelievably consistent. And a guy who uh, I think, you know, uh, at the end of the day, he was a diva. Oh, they all, the diva group. That's he was a diva, but, you know, he did what he had to do. So Chris Carter coming in uh, at mm. number 11. 97 raw score. 97 raw score. So now we are going to take a trip down memory lane for number 10. Uh, And number 10 is going to be somebody whose raw score was a Mm 97.5. So we surpassed Carter by a half of a point. And... That player is Lance Allworth. Uh, and for some of you people who don't know who Lance Allworth might be, uh, he was a player from the primarily from the 60s and 70s. He played from 1962 to 1972, and he primarily played his career with the San Diego Chargers and ended his career with the Dallas Cowboys. So Lance Allworth, uh, let me go over his career statistics really quick for Mr. Lance Allworth. Wow, this is crazy. I, I want you, I can't wait to hear about this. Okay. Go ahead. So he now again, remember what we said before. Guys that older did not play in passing leagues, but five hundred and forty two receptions in his career for ten thousand two hundred and sixty six yards. John, that's a eighteen point nine yards per reception. That's incredible. So you're ten Every five catches, he's scoring a touchdown. Wow. That's his stats in itself is insane. He did in 136 games too, huh? Yeah. Wow. Uh, 85 career touchdowns for Lance Allworth. Obviously a Hall of Famer, a seven-time Pro Bowler, a six-time All-Pro, a Super Bowl champion, and an AFL champion, so he played in both leagues. Did you did you count that in his points? I counted that as one point, not a not okay. A not, Super Bowl win was not more way more than an AFL win. Okay, okay, right. All right. Um, uh, lost my train of thought for a second. He came in at number thirty eight on the NFL top one hundred's greatest players. Uh, so a very prestigious honor there. And let's go through his uh his accolades a little bit here. Uh. He had, now again, talking about a guy who did not catch a lot of balls. Let me give you this. His, the year he had the most receptions was in 1965. He had 1,602 receiving yards on 69 catches. He was averaging, let me repeat that. He was averaging 23.2 yards a catch. What? That is absurd. What? What? Are we serious? Does anybody in the league do that today? 23.2. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And that year he scored 14 touchdowns. So you give me those numbers in today's NFL, I'll take that any day of the week in today's NFL. Wow. So he had... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven years of a thousand yards receiving. Um, he had one, two, three, four, five, five seasons of ten touchdowns or more. Um, 
He was in uh, seven career playoff games. He actually won a Super Bowl in his last season with the Dallas Cowboys. He went to the playoffs twice with the San Diego Chargers and uh, won and done both times. And then he went to the playoffs with the Dallas Cowboys in both years he played with them. He won a Super Bowl in his first season uh, and did not in his second. He only played 10, no, 11 years in the league. He retired at age 32 believe it or not. Wow. So he retired young. So think about what he could have done uh, if he played longer. And just a little quick tidbit, his nickname was Bambi because of how quick he was. That's, I mean, that should tell you all you need to know. Low, and No, his helmet was a lightning bolt, so go figure there. Uh, John, I know you don't know much about Lance Allworth, but but any any anything stand out to you there about Allworth? I, you know, what's crazy. So a couple of these guys, it's like the first time I'm really getting the chance to like go through them. Right. Right. Like you wouldn't think to go through somebody like Lance Allworth. Nobody's going to average 23 points. That's insane. Reception. That's just nuts, man. That's crazy. That like guys average like 15. We think you think now like 15, 16 is a lot. Yeah. Like 15, 16 is a lot. You can't even like. He's averaging two first downs a catch. Yeah. You can't play, you can't play Madden and, and make a player average 23.2 yards per, uh, per reception. That's just absurd. That in itself should have gotten him some bonus points. Unbelievable. Um, you know, it was just, whew. It makes me sweat a little bit. Yeah. Like what makes me sweat. And you know, uh, he was like before his time. He didn't wear like a number in the 80s. He wore number 19 when he played for the Chargers. Yeah. So like he was like, you know, and he really started. Um, I feel like he he really was the, the guy who birthed the wide receiver position. You know, like today we talk about guys who, you know, don't. You know, uh, you know, a, 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 a down year is a guy who has 50 catches, right? Mm-hmm. A down year is a guy who has 50 catches for like 600 yards and like a couple touchdowns. That's like a, that's like a down year for a receiver. Yeah. That was a good year for a receiver back in the 60s. This guy was way ahead of his time. Very, way ahead of his time. Very much ahead of his time. Joe. So, I mean, I think that, you know, it's just something that, uh, you know, we're looking at, I'm currently looking at the, the, the greatest... Um, greatest moments in charger history and they're just they're littered with uh the couple of early ones are littered with uh with lance allworth games but um you know lance allworth coming in at number 10 you know what's funny real quick before we move on from lance sure. allworth, i just want to talk about something so when you look at his playoff numbers talk to me you guys are going and look at his playoff numbers he didn't make a big impact in the playoffs yeah i mean listen it's kind of crazy for somebody they kind of like it looks like they bottled him up Four receptions, 82 yards, 20 yards per reception. I mean, but that was in one game. Across three games, he had five receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown. But still, 15.6 on that Super Bowl year uh, with the with the Dallas Cowboys, you know? So, he still made an impact, but, you know, it's just definitely definitely interesting. I mean, I, I just think that for a guy like him, uh, you know, it's just, it's something that should be, should be treasured. He's, you know, there's really... There's really nothing to to say. I mean, he's easily one of the greatest players of all time. He made our list, uh, and uh, we're very happy that he made our list because he deserves to be recognized in every form of the word. Um, so who came in at number nine, Joe? This number number nine. We're moving on, and we're gonna stick with the uh, we're gonna stick with the the older generation here before we get into more of the notables. 
And we are going to go with a man who has a college uh, college football award named after him for the best wide receiver of the year. And that is Mr. Fred Boletnikoff, who comes in at number nine on our list. And Mr. Fred Boletnikoff came in with a raw score of 98. So you could see just early on that numbers 9, 10, and 11 were separated by a half a point each. Very close. Very, very close. Very close. Um, Fred Bolitnikoff played from the years of, let me get this. Uh, me 1965 get. to 1978. 1965 to 1978. All for the Oakland Raiders before they moved to Las Vegas. Um and he is a member of the Hall of Fame. He is a six-time Pro Bowler. He is a two-time All-Pro. He is a Super Bowl champion. And he is also a AFL champion. Uh, so his career averages are as follows. 589 yards, 8,974 receiving yards, and 76 touchdowns. And you might say to me, oh, Joe, that's not, those aren't phenomenal numbers. Not a lot, not a lot of flashy numbers. Not though. a lot of flashy numbers. But here's where we're going to Bolitnikov. I'm just spelling for a second. Uh, here's what we're going to, if my memory serves me right, he never played on a losing team. Ever. And his. 14-year career, I don't think he ever played on a losing team. He has 19 career playoff games, more than a season's worth of playoff games, okay? I mean, just right there, enough should be to tell you what you need to know about Fred Bolotnikov. Let us take a dive into the Raiders' all-time seasons, and let's see what we got here. So the Raiders... We're going from 1965 to 1978. These are the Raiders' records during those times, okay? 8, 5-1, 8-5-1, 13-1, 12-2, 12-1-1, 8-4-2, 8-4-2, 10-3-1, 9-4-1, 12-2, 11-3, 13-1, 11-3, and 9-7. Some That's a lot of dominance. He never played on a losing team in his life. Ever. I'm looking at this again. I'm flabbergasted by this. Multiple 13. This is a stretch. Okay. This is a stretch from 1967 to 1977. 11 seasons. You ready? One, two, one, four, four, three, four, two, three, one, three. Know what those numbers are? The amount of losses the Raiders had each season. Jesus Christ. Do you know what I would give for the Jaguars to not to lose an average of three games a season? I would literally take a bionic arm. I would cut off my right arm. I would I would give up masturbation if it <laughs> meant that the Jaguars could do that. And you know what's the best part about it, Joe? When it comes to Bolinikov, from 68 to 77, he didn't miss a game. That's... Iron Man. He was an Iron Man. Iron Man. He. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, wait. He 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 did. Oh, he missed he a missed, game. No, he missed one. He missed four games over the course of his career. Over the course of nine years. Unbelievable. That's that's insane. Guys, guys sit out because of turf top. <laughs>
in the league. Now. <laughs> it's so true. This guy, and 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 they were dominant through that stretch. And like, you know what? I'm looking at his numbers. There wasn't a ton of like flash there, right? But in 1971, Joe, you want to hear something crazy about this? Sure, talk to me. He led the league in receptions. With 61. That's amazing. Isn't that great? That's great. 61, 929 yards and nine touchdowns. He led the league with 61 receptions. <laughs> and then the year after that, what did he come in second? He had 58 receptions. Yeah, it's just a different That's insane. It's, it's a, a different, different time. League. Different time. But again, as we're saying during this whole podcast, there's not, there's not, there's not, there's no, you, you can't value that. You can't value time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that I wouldn't I'm not sitting here and saying I'd rather have Fred Bolitnikoff over DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But when you take in everything into account about a guy like Fred Bolitnikoff, and I, I, if I, if my memory, if uh, I'm going to look at my, I'm going to look at our list again, I think that's the, no, there's one more. Okay. There's three guys on our list who primarily played in the 60s and 70s, right? This is the second one. You measure greatness by everything that the player does, mm-hmm. right? People will say, well, he played on a team that won a lot. Right. Played on a team that won a lot. Because of him. Yeah. He is a major factor in that. Of course. The man's a Hall of Famer. You know, like people will sit here and say, oh, his numbers aren't that great. Who cares? But for that era, they were, though. For his era, that though, you just said it. 61 yards, 61 catches led the, led the league. It makes it makes Lance Allworth's numbers seem otherworldly, right? But and and that's that's the weird thing, right? Where it's and like the reason so he's a half to, point higher is because he did a little bit more winning. Yeah, and and that's and you know what? That's that's a testament to our algorithm, right? I think winning should be valued. Yeah, of course, winning should absolutely be valued. It's almost like a it's almost like a WAR score, right? Yeah, a like little almost, bit, a little bit, right? Like wins over replacement because like they they measure that in baseball. They yes, they measure that in baseball, but I think baseball does it in a really weird way. Where I think that what we did is we measured, we measured wins not to a degree where like we measured per win. We just mm. measured winning seasons. Winning season, yeah. And you know that hurt a guy like Calvin Johnson in our list, right? Mm. That hurt a guy a tremendously, right? Uh, is all of that Calvin Johnson's fault? No, but you know. He's clearly a player. This might give me some heat. He's clearly a player that did not demand winning. No. He's not a player that you said in your career, oh, I want to go play with Calvin Johnson because I want to win. That never happened. No. He put up very big numbers on, I mean, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Calvin, but again, it's a testament to the, to the list of, how we measure this and how important it is to be consistent and be a part of a winning franchise. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, listen, so just to go over really quickly before we move on, uh, number 11 was Chris Carter. Number 10 was Lance Allworth and number nine was Fred Bolitnikoff. And John, I'm going to pass it back over to you to announce our number eight wide receiver on the legends list. So number eight on our legend series list is raw score is Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne. Coming in at a number 98. So he is tied with Fred Bolitnikoff. Tied with Fred Bolitnikoff, um, yes. Reggie Wayne, let, let's just get, let's just say this. First of all, Reggie Wayne played with another player that we will get to um, later on. Um, <laughs> that was on the other side of him. He also played with another player, I'm sure we will cover, in the name Peyton Manning. Oh, um, definitely. A lot of winning happened there. Now let's go through Reggie Wayne's career. 
Reggie Wayne was a six-time Pro Bowler, a one-time All-Pro, and a one-time Super Bowl champ. With the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and I got to his actual numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Is that so pretty ridiculous? His numbers are absolutely fucking insane. First of all, he played um, his entire career with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, kudos. Kudos to him. Uh, his stretch from 2003 to 2012, he missed one game. Wow. He really? had Yes, he had over 100 targets in every single season up through that way. He had, in 2007, he had 104 receptions for 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns. He had 100 receptions in 2019 for almost 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. 2010, he was an all-pro. He had 175 targets, 111 receptions, almost 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. He had a career yards per catch of 13.4. Very good. Very good. And for now, again, think about let's take that back a little bit. Yes. Right? Consider what we talked about about with Lance Allworth before, right? Yeah. About twenty three point two. And even Fred Blitnikoff had a year we averaged over twenty yards a catch. Yeah. And to see the dip, and I think that's not a testament to Reggie Wayne's ability, it's just a testament to how the league changed. Mm-hmm. They went from more of a deep ball threat league to more of an intermediary to short passing game league. Uh but continue. I'm sorry, I just want to throw that out there. So one thing about Reggie Wayne that I'm realizing here is he was a hell of a playoff performer. Oh, yeah. An incredible playoff performer. He went to the playoffs in every single season except for 2013 from 2002 to 2014. <laughs> his, these are his playoff numbers. 93 receptions, almost 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, and a 13.5 yards per catch average. So he had a season's worth of statistics in the playoffs. Yes. He was absolutely Good. incredible. He, there was a year here where he had almost 30 targets. In the playoffs alone across four games. Um, Reggie Wayne was just very, very, very consistent. And when you go back and you think about those Indianapolis Colts teams in the AFC, right? They were always that other team. In they, the if you look at the, the Colts run in those early 2000s, there's like a five-year stretch where it's for the first game losses, L, 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 L. And then just flip the switch yeah. one year and then just got it all done. Didn't they average something like 12 wins? Yeah. For for that that very long period of time. But what I'm saying is they were always like the redheaded stepchild of the AFC to the to the New England Patriots. Right. And at Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh. And that team was no slouch, man, with Tony Dungy at the as the coach and and, <laughs> and Peyton Manning, another player, I'm not gonna spoil his name, is also on these teams who was absolutely incredible. Right. Um but Reggie Wayne was just <coughs> he was the ultimate he, he was the ultimate Robin at that point in time. And a lot of teams didn't have two great receivers like that. There's only a couple that I could think of. It's funny you bring that up, right? Because um, who had those? Um, the St. Louis Rams of yeah. uh, the Torrey early Holt 2000s. Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce comes to mind immediately. And one thing really quick, Joe, just before, before you continue. One thing, <coughs> Reggie, Reggie Wayne was so high on our list. And Reggie Wayne is not a Hall of Famer yet. Oh, he's going to be. He's going to be. So that's that goes testament to he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not Think a about Hall of how good he had to be to be on that list because Hall of Fame accounts for a nice size amount of points on our list, obviously mm-hmm. as it should. Um, but he's not a Hall of Famer yet. I think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Phenomenal, phenomenal receiver. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's getting in the Hall of Fame. Um, and so yeah, so you were saying not a lot of teams had two great receivers like that. And you said the Rams had Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. Right. The seventies, the seventies Steelers had John Stallworth and um, Lynn Swan, two excellent Hall of Fame receivers as well. Uh, and then you go to a team. I don't know. I'm, I have to do it once. Even the team like the Jaguars in the early in the late nineties had Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith. 
not Hall of Fame receivers, but very great good receivers players in yeah, their yeah. own right. Of you course. Know? Um, but Reggie Wayne is so overlooked, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Because of the man who's on the other side of him. Mm-hmm. Reggie Wayne, the Colts had the number one and number three receiver in football on their roster, in for, my opinion, during that period of time. And for literally forever. It felt like forever. They had legitimately four Hall of Famers, skill Hall of Famers during that. They had Peyton Manning. They have Edron James just got inducted this year. Yes. Right? They have, uh, screw it, we're going to say his name anyway. Marvin Harrison, right? And then Reggie Wayne. And then that's not even counting possibly Jeff Saturday. Right. Like, so you're talking about your quarterback, your running back, and your two wide receivers who are all Hall of Famers. And they won one championship. Is that like a bad thing? You know, it's weird when you think about it, right? Like they won one championship, but that shows how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, like it, we're going to, I'm going to go off on a tangent here really quick because this, this, this will tie back. Sure. So there was this argument recently going around. Is it harder to win an NBA championship or win an NFL championship? It, it is. I think it's harder to win an NFL championship. It's harder to win an NFL championship because it's It's one one and done. It's one and done. And there are so many good players on a team. And when you look at a team like the Colts, Peyton Manning is, I mean, you could argue he's top three greatest player of all, greatest quarterback of all time. I'm with you. And the fact that he, on that run in Indy, when those teams were so good, there was so much heartbreak in the playoffs to the Patriots and to the Steelers that they won one Super Bowl. With all of those players on that team, that's that's just crazy, man. That's insane. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard to do that. Sorry. No, you're good. My sister, <laughs> my sister is calling me. It's all right. We have it. We'll put her on. We'll, we'll get her on for a guest appearance. Just ask her <laughs> who she thinks comes up next on the list. She's gonna say like, yeah, right. LeBron James. So, <laughs> LeBron James. So Reggie Wayne coming in at number eight, war number eighty-seven, a soon-to-be Hall of Famer on our list. Uh, do you know what she wanted? What did she want? She wanted the password for the HBO Max. Jesus fucking Christ. Streaming services are ruining families. That, unbelievable. Re- <laughs> ridiculous. Just don't give it to her. Now she has to wait until her daughter. Oh, she's going to wait. She's going <laughs> to fucking wait. She wants to watch a stupid Friends reunion. All right, John, you want to uh, take a quick break first or you want to go on to number seven to take a break after? So let's go seven. Let's go through um, seven and then we'll take a break. All right, so let's go to number seven. So, John, number seven is yourself. You want to break down number seven and who he is? So number seven, uh, (laughs) Michael Irving comes in with a raw score of 99.5. Michael Irving, member of the Dallas, the dynasty of the Dallas Cowboys in the early 90s. Who doesn't know who Michael Irving is at this point on NFL Network? The guy's out of his mind. (laughs) He's so much fun to watch. He's so animated. It's great. Um, So Michael Irving has quite a few career accomplishments. He is a... (laughs) Dude, don't say. <laughs> you don't say. He's a Hall of Famer. He's right. a five-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, and a three-time Super Bowl champ. Now, let's... <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so now, these Dallas Cowboys teams are very interesting, right? Because you had one of the greatest running backs of all time on that team. Maybe the. Maybe the greatest running back of all time. We'll get When we get to the running backs, we'll see where he falls. Right. In Emmitt Smith. Right. Um, you have Michael Irving. Right. And wasn't there another receiver there? 
another receiver, or, or was it just there wasn't another receiver? No, there wasn't. Like, there was other receivers, but none none as like prominent. As none as like prominent. It was like he was the number one player. Yeah. So now being the number one receiver on the team, and and granted, uh, Troy Aikman didn't sling the ball around very much. I would say Troy Aikman's good. He was good, but he wasn't like. When you look at a lot of quarterbacks from that period of time, the numbers are very low. Like you, a 3,000-yard passing season was like, whoa. <laughs> like, whoa. Right? Like he didn't, he didn't throw the ball around the park because why would he? He has Emmett Smith. Right. You know? Like you just run the ball. And, I want and, you. And that's exactly what they did. I get it. Um, but Michael Irving, I'm going to go through a couple of seasons here. From 1991 to 1995, he made the Pro Bowl every year. 91, he was an All-Pro with 93 receptions. 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. He led the league that year. 16.4 yards per catch. <clears throat> okay. And oh, wow. Then, All right. A lot. The following season, he followed that up with 78 receptions, 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns at almost 18 yards per catch. Pretty fucking good. Joe just gave me this look like, what? <laughs> then he followed it up with another 1,300-yard receiving season, 1,300 yards, 1,600 yards, and then it kind of starts to tail off there. Um, but consistency, he started every single game except for two in that stretch. And he's a three time Super Bowl champion. And you want to talk about a playoff performer, 87 receptions, 1300 yards and eight touchdowns, 15 point yard, one yards per catch. Awesome. Back to back Super Bowls, right? Consistent numbers across back to back Super Bowls. And then he won the third in 95 with Barry Switzer and they beat the Steelers. Dominant. In the playoffs, was, was I mean, Michael Irvin, and that's and I think that's what puts him above. That's what puts him above a lot of these guys, right? Is that Michael Irvin was so right? He was great in the regular season, right? Mm-hmm. As all of these guys were great in the regular season. Be like, what does he show? What happens in the playoffs? When do you show? Remember, people forget Troy Aikman's first year there. They were duty. Mm-hmm. They were one in fifteen. They were not a good football team. So Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith were the reason the Cowboys turned it around. Okay? The Cowboys were a really good team in the 70s. They took a dump in the 80s, right? And they came back to prominence in the 90s, right? Off of a trade with my Minnesota Vikings. Right. They came uh, the uh the uh uh oh my god, why is the name's escaping me right now. Um the running back. Herschel Walker? Herschel Walker. The Herschel Walker trade. Yep. Um, and probably the worst trade in the NFL history. <laughs> One of the worst, yes. <laughs> but it, it helped them get to the to, to have that Super Bowl run. But you know, Michael Irvin is is a is a huge piece of 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 them becoming America's team. Yep. Right? Like people hate the Cowboys because they're so they're so nationally loved. There's an arrogance right? to them. Uh, like the Duke Blue Devils, like the New York Yankees, you know, like the Los Angeles Lakers or the Boston Celtics. Teams that if you don't root for them, you look at them, you're like, oh, fucking, you know, like, really? Like you don't like excellence? Yeah, like, right, right. You know? And you, there's, a, there's always a joke that, oh, you're a Yankee fan, you root for the Cowboys and the Lakers too. Like, you know, it's like, mm. it's a thing. Exactly. But there's a reason for that, right? There's a reason that, those teams are grouped together in that category. Yeah. Michael Irvin is a main reason for that, you know? And uh, I think his his skill, uh, and he was a great college player, went to the University of Miami, was a phenomenal college player, was a phenomenal pro, won two Super Bowls with his college coach, Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, 
like you said before, consistency really brought it across for the rest of his career. Uh, and I believe was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, and fully deserved. I mean, Michael Irvin was probably, if I had a guess, I'm looking at our list right now again. He is probably the third best receiver of his era. Yeah. It's probably uh, third, right? Third, maybe second, depending on where we got one of these guys with what their era really was. Yeah, okay. Uh, his era was clearly the 90s. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think the other two guys that we're going to bring up in our list in a little bit, uh, an argument could be made of what their era was. Yeah, one of them definitely spanned past the 90s. Right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to give you a quick shout out of the guys who just missed the cut. And then we're going to go back to our list. We still have six through one to get to. So we'll be right back right after this. All right, Johnny, we're back here. And uh, we are going to quickly go through guys who just missed the cut uh, here. And there are going to be five guys that we mentioned who just missed the cut. Uh, I'm going to bring them to you. You mm-hmm. tell me, you give me a, you know, one sentence, two sentence thing on, you know, what you think they meant to the league, right? Uh, I'll take a couple off your hands, a couple off mine, right? First guy, and then this is Johnny's boy, Antonio Brown, with a raw score of 93.5, three and a half points off of the list. John, I know you really wanted AB to be on this list. What you think about Antonio Brown? So when we were going through this and um, we decided, like I, I brought up Antonio Brown, you were you kind of looked at me like, really, we're going to talk about like really Antonio Brown? But... I was surprised. You were very surprised. I was. Right? So I'm just... Uh, real quick. I I, I I need to talk about Antonio Brown just for a second, Joe. I have to talk about him. Okay. Antonio Brown was... Incre- like, we say dominant. <laughs> incredibly dominant. Right? Seven Pro Bowls. Four-time All-Pro. One-time Super Bowl champion. Joe, the numbers from 2003... To 2018 are absolutely... 2003? No, 2013 to 2018 are absolutely fucking ridiculous. 110 receptions, 129 receptions, 136 receptions, 106 receptions, (laughs) 101 receptions, 104 receptions. He's the only player all time, I think, to do that in six straight seasons. 1,500 yards, 1,700 yards... 1,800 yards, 1,300 yards, 1,600 yards, and 1,300 yards. 13 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 9 touchdowns, 15 touchdowns. We get it. We get it. Joe, Antonio Brown was absolutely fucking Just missed the cut. Dominant. He just missed the cut. And I'm telling you right now, if we ever were to revisit this list, I think he makes it in. Because honestly, if you're looking at his numbers, Joe... I'm going to just say it. He's a Hall of Famer. As much as people... We'll get to that conversation at a different point in time. Yeah, at, at, he, he is. And you know what? That, that'll that put him in the top 11 eventually. Uh, <laughs> right. Eventually. Uh, Drew Pearson coming in after that with a raw score of 95. Drew Pearson was a member of those 70s Cowboys teams. Drew Pearson had good numbers, not great numbers, but a lot of his raw score was uh, separated by winning. Uh, and winning a lot with the Dallas Cowboys. And then we have Lynn Swan, a part of that 70s Steeler dynasty with a raw score of 96. Four-time Super Bowl uh, champion. Four-time Super Bowl champion. My goodness. Uh, but his numbers were not, his his career statistics were not as high. He also didn't play a very long time. And then rounding out, and this guy just, 
missed the cut by a half of a point. Andre Reid, 96.5, the wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills in the early in the late 80s and the early 90s. My man went to four straight Super Bowls and lost them all and still managed to put up numbers. That's so sad. Numbers. Numbers. I just want to, if they win two of those Super Bowls, he is number four on this list. Wow. Number four. Unbelievable. That's crazy how much that changes. So that's two guys who just missed the cut. And uh, with that, let's get back to it. So if you're keeping score at home, numbers 11 through 7 so far is Chris Carter, Lance Allworth, Fred Bolitnikoff, Reggie Wayne, Michael Irvin. And now number 6, we just mentioned his teammate. This is the other guy on those Steelers dynasty teams. And it is Mr. John Stallworth. John Stallworth played during the era of the Steeler dominance in what I think is the most dominant run I've ever seen. I'm not, I've, I'm not, I never saw it physically, but I've ever like looked up or read during a 10-year stretch. They were, talk about unstoppable. They won the Super Bowl half the decade. It's insanity. His career numbers are as follows. Now, here's something we need to we need to put into perspective, right? So he's a Hall of Famer, obviously. He's a three time Pro Bowler, a one time All Pro, a four time Super Bowl champion. All right. Now his numbers aren't going to jump off the board at you, right? It's going to be 537 receptions, 8,273 yards, and 63 touchdowns. Okay. However. My man played for 14 years, okay? However, he only played a full season five times. Only played a full year five times. So, my dude was riddled by injury, okay? Talk about the Ken Griffey Jr. of this list. My man was riddled by injury. There were years where he played... Four games, nine games, three games, eight games. There were years where he started two, three, three, nine, four, nine, because he was hurt a lot. And he still managed to get 63 career touchdowns. He still managed to get over 8,700 career receiving yards. He still managed to get over 500 career receptions. And just to, you know, put a little pipe there, he was in 18 career playoff games. He had, now, you mentioned Michael Irvin's career. And you mentioned who else? Somebody else's career playoff numbers. Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne. Okay. John Stallworth, during his career, okay, mm-hmm. 57 career receptions, which is not bad, right? Especially in that era. You said Reggie Wayne had 1,300 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. John Stallworth had 1,054. Wow. On 40 less catches. 40. And my dude had more touchdowns. 12. Dominant. 12. And they won, as we said, they won four Super Bowls during that time. Just an absolute freak of nature. Talk about sticky hands for gloves. And again, I'm going to go back to it because I can. Okay? Steelers. Here we go. 
You ready for this run? Go ahead and hit me. Okay. 11 and 3, 12, 10 and 4, 10, 3 and 1, 12 and 2, 10 and 4, 9 and 5, 14 and 2, 12 and 4. During the 70s. Dominant. Right? They went to the playoffs for one, two, three, four, eight straight seasons, right? They lost in the conference championship in 72, lost in divisional in 73, and then won back to back Super Bowl titles twice. They won back to back Super Bowl titles in 74 and 75, and then back to back Super Bowl titles in 78 and 79. He was undefeated in the Super Bowl. Undefeated, 4 and 0. Like the Jordan 6 with the cigar, 4-0 and for John Stallworth. That's pretty damn good. I mean, if you take these guys, these older players that we mentioned, Stallworth, uh, Allworth, oddly rhymed, and, <laughs> Bolitnikov. and Bolitnikov, right? And you put them in today's NFL, I think they thrive. I really think they thrive. Oh. I think they're tough. They were gritty. I mean, this is a guy who, if he stays healthy... During his whole career, we're talking about a guy that probably has over 800 career catches, probably has over 12,000 career receiving yards, and probably has another 15 to 20 touchdowns. These guys, these guys will put wide and receivers. And he was sixth on our list. Yeah, they these guys will put the league, the players in this league, to shame. Now. Well, they're tougher than they are. Yeah, they're tougher and, and easily, and they they have a lot more. I think more of a competitive drive. You know what I mean? It's just you know I. I Guy was not huge. He was 6'2", 191, so he wasn't a like a, a a humongous receiver, you know. But uh, you know, he 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 got the job done, and uh, I think it's a nice testament uh, that a couple of older players made our list, um, deservedly so, you know, absolutely deservedly so. There's still there's still one more on there. Do you think there is there? Oh, I mean, kind of in a way, yeah, yeah kind of. Now, guys, we're the top five. We're, now we're getting into the top now five. Now we're getting to the top five. Now, I will tell you this. Numbers. Did you say John Stallworth's raw score? 109.5. 109.5. So from number seven to number 11, the raw score was separated by about two points. Stallworth jumped up 10 and a half. Yeah. So now we're getting into numbers five, four, three, and two are separated by 10 points. No, less than that. Eight points. Eight points. And we're going to get to number one in a second because that is... That is insane. Otherworldly. When you sent that thing, I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) That's fucked. So number five is the enigmatic (laughs) Terrell Owens. T.O. 6'3", 224 pounds, went to Chattanooga College. My dude... Was all over the place during his NFL career. He is a Hall of Famer, deservedly so. A six-time Pro Bowler, a five-time All-Pro. John, listen to the, you want to talk about numbers. Listen to these numbers. Are you ready? Hit me. A thousand seventy-eight career receptions, fifteen thousand nine hundred and thirty-four receiving yards, one hundred and fifty-three career. Touchdowns. And one Super Bowl played on a broken leg. We're going to get to that in a minute. That's, that's, <laughs> that. We're going to get to that in a second. My dude had, think, this actually surprised me. He had one, one career 100 catch, uh, 100 catch season. He had nine 
1,000 yard, nine 1,000 yard career seasons, and eight seasons with 10 or more touchdowns. Eight. Okay. He had nine winning seasons in total. So he won wherever he went. He played for the San Francisco 49ers for six years. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles for two. Played for the Dallas Cowboys for three, and then he bounced around with Buffalo and Cincinnati at the end. I'm not even really counting those. And you know what's funny is those numbers that you were saying with him as far as with the 1,000 yards and the 10 10 or more touchdowns, he did that across multiple teams. Oh, he— He he, was consistent across multiple teams. He got—he had—this is what the San Francisco 49ers. He had 14 touchdowns in 98. He had 13 touchdowns. He had three years in a row where he had over 10 touchdowns through, through 2000 to 2002. He was 13, 16, and 13. He had 14 touchdowns with Philadelphia in 2004, their Super Bowl year. And then he had another three-year stretch in Dallas at ages 33, 34, and 35, where he went. I'm going to read these numbers off to you. Again, 33, 34, and 35. He was an all-pro at 34 years old. Just put that in the back of your head. Unreal. And he looked, and he was incredible. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in 2006, he went 85 for 1180 and 13 scores. In uh, in 2007, he went 81 for 13.55 and 15 touchdowns at age 34. And then at age 35 in 2008, he went 69 for 1,052 and 10. So that was like his dip. Yeah, know, that's where bit. he kind of started. That's start. where he started to dip yeah, a little yeah. bit. But he, like you said, across three different teams, he consistently put up numbers, right? And now let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room, right? Let's talk, before we get to the Super Bowl, let's talk about his his attitude, right? And his you know the way he was kind of a player who um, pushed people away. He ushered this era in. I oh, think, I think he's, he he, he's he was the, the ringleader of this era. He's the chairman. Yes. Um, but it's funny because he was allowed to be because of how great he was. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, obviously the, there's my the he's my quarterback. My thing. quarterback. But in his career, he played in twelve playoff games. Uh, 54 career catches, 751 career receiving yards for an average of 14 yards a catch, and five touchdowns. Um, now, let's get to the Super Bowl in yes. 2004. If you remember correctly, he had, what, he tore his, he tore his, he broke his leg. Broke his leg. I think it was actually broken. My dude comes back in the Super Bowl. Okay, talk about grit. He comes back in the Super Bowl, and he goes... 14 targets for nine catches and 122 receiving yards. Didn't score a touchdown, but he had a catch percentage of 64.3 in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, and he had an average of nine, uh, no, uh, 8.7 yards per target, whatever that means. But on a broken leg. That was probably one of, that was probably. Outside of, no, actually, I'll say that was the grittiest Super Bowl performance I've ever seen by a non-quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rob Gronkowski ones out there for the one against the Rams a couple of years back. Yeah, that was that was another one. But Terrell Owens, to me, if I had to describe him in one word, would be just a character. He's the ultimate. Character, he's the ultimate competitor. Left it all on the field every time. Nobody ever said. You know, listen. It was all about Mm To when he was on when he was on the the field. It still was up until last year. It was all that whole Hall of Fame debacle, right? It was all about To. But 
nobody ever doubted how bad he wanted to win. Don't forget how good those San Francisco teams were in the in the nineties. Oh yeah, they were good. They never got to the Super Bowl, but they were damn good. Yep. Right. Remember that that catch he had. Remember that game against the New York Giants when they came all the way back. Mm-hmm. And who was it? They missed a field goal. The Giants or it got blocked. And he had the touchdown from Jeff Garcia with a couple seconds remaining. And he got hit by two giant defenders. And he stood up and went into the end zone. That's the play I remember, T.O. That's the T.O. I remember. That's the guy that I remember. He knew he was going to get hit. He stayed up. And then he talked shit after he got into the end zone. When he grabbed the popcorn in Dallas. and he Oh, he's the just the ultimate, ultimate guy. You know, incredible footwork. I don't know if a ma- hmm. incredible excellent. footwork. An excellent point. Excellent po- poetry. Point. Excellent point. Didn't even think about that. Phenomenal point. I don't know if I'd ever pick him to be on a team if I was looking to win tomorrow. But an absolute phenomenal, phenomenal receiver. To Terrell Owens coming in at number five. John, turning it over to you for number four. So number four on our list. Is all right. So we alluded to this man. We alluded to this man a little bit here. Um, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison. Let me just let me just pull the numbers up. So Marvin, an, starving Marvin. Another player that was part of that dominant uh, Colts run. Right. He is a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. He is an eight-time All-Pro. No, he's an eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, one-time Super Bowl champion. He had, up until Michael Thomas broke his record, he had the most receptions in a season with 143. Jesus Christ. He had a stretch here. I'm going to go from 19, it was from 1999 to 2002, so four years. 184 targets, 169 targets, 164 targets, and 205 targets. 205? 205 targets in that season. That was his all-pro year when he had the record. 1,700 yards. 1,400 yards, 1,500 yards, and almost 1,800 yards in that 143 catch season. And another guy, I mean, talk about finding the end zone. This guy was not allergic to the end zone. (laughs) He had 10-plus touchdowns for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight years. He had 10-plus touchdowns and over 1,000 yards receiving. He was always available. Peyton Manning's number one target. Peyton Manning and him will be forever linked. And what's great about Marvin Harrison is he's one of those guys that his name still lives on in the league because he's a guy that you could compare players to that are coming in, right? So, like, when we did our draft coverage Mm -hmm. and we spoke about Devontae Smith, there was a lot of comparisons to Marvin Harrison, right? Skinnier build. Of course, yeah. Skinnier build. But incredible footwork, incredible hands. Like, you throw him the ball, he's catching it. There was no doubt well, about yeah. it. There was There's no a, doubt about it. The, the guys that are left on our list are pretty much like yeah. that. And then if you go to his playoff performance, playoff performance, he had 65 receptions, 883 yards, and two touchdowns. He didn't find the end zone a lot in the playoffs. But still, <laughs> there was those two years, including the Super Bowl year, where he was, he was pretty fucking dominant. Um, but Marvin Harrison, I believe he was a first ballot Hall of Famer too, right? Am I, if I'm Absolutely. Mistaken. Yeah, 100%. Um, he was fantastic. And I mean, listen, you... you we, we spoke, I'm not going to go too far into it with them and the Colts because we spoke about them with Reggie Wayne, but same thing still stands. I mean, come on. He was, he was incredible. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible. <laughs> so Marvin so. Harrison coming, Marvin Harrison coming in at number four. We are down to our final three. His raw score was 116.5, by the way. 116.5 raw score for Marvin Harrison. Uh, John, can you give me the raw score for the next player, please? So number three, 
Don't tell me the names. Give me the raw score. The raw score is 117.5. So one point higher than Marvin Harrison. And a half point below the player who's number two on our list. Number three on our list, uh, quite possibly, may be the most underrated receiver of all time. And he is a player that a lot of people forget about because he played in an era that was predominantly, was dominated by the San Francisco 49ers Mm. and the Buffalo Bills. And later in his years, the Dallas Cowboys. That receiver is Art Monk. Art Monk. Let's give Art Monk some love. Yeah. Give it up for Art Monk. Art Monk some love. Let's go, Art Monk. Art Monk, number three in our list, played for the Washington Redskins. Um, from 1980 to 1993. Then he finished his career playing with two years with the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. Art Monk is a Hall of Famer. He is a three-time Pro Bowler, a one-time All-Pro. He is part of the all-1990s team, uh, 1980s team, I'm sorry, and he is a three-time Super Bowl champion with the Washington Redskins. Three-time Super Bowl champion. He had 940 career receptions. Uh, He had 12,721 receiving yards, 68 career touchdowns. He had five 1,000-yard seasons. He had a one 100-catch-yard season. My dude had 16 playoff wins. Ten winning seasons in Washington. Uh, He, in his career, he had 69 catches in the playoffs for 1,062 yards, seven touchdowns. Um... And if we go to the Washington Redskins during that time, from 1982 on, they were, uh, we have eight and one here. Uh, So I just want to point out that Art Monk went to four Super Bowls. Lost one. one. It's three and one. Wow. Uh, So they went to four Super Bowls during his career there. Um, they had a stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, nine, ten out of eleven seasons they had a winning record. There was one year mm-hmm. where they went seven and nine in 1988, but outside of that, they had multiple double-digit wins through the rest of the 80s. The Redskins were a dominant team, especially with John Riggins and Joe Theismann and Rock Rippin and Doug Williams. Uh, a very, very, very good football team. Art Monk was the leader in that football game. He was drafted by the Redskins in the first round of the 1980 NFL draft, um, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2008. Uh, Just a receiver who is revered in Washington and a receiver who does not get enough credit uh, because he was part of a team that I felt like it's like a lost they're like a lost team, right? The Redskins are a lost team in the 80s. Yeah. They went to four Super Bowls during that time. You don't think about it, though. Four Super Bowls. You know what it is? It's they like won recency. three. They won three. It's, it, Joe, you know what it is? It's recency biased. You know? Like, you think about the Red, like, now Washington football team, but the then Redskins. I mean, as much as we've been watching them, they've been trash. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, people who are diehard Washington fans who grew up there, like, you know, old-timers Washington fans. They, they probably still hold on to it. But you know what's funny is for a team to go to four Super Bowls and for them to not even really get mentioned in that, like, pantheon of great teams. Right. That's that's pretty that's pretty weird. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, I just I think it, I think he, you know, obviously uh, he came in on third on our list and he's just an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal receiver. Uh, so Art Monk, 
If you ever are listening to this podcast, please listen to us. Let us <laughs> know that you're number three in our book. Yes. Art Monk. John, it is your time. So if you've been listening to this whole show right now and you've listened to our countdown, you know who one and two are. Yeah. There's no debate. Right? There's <laughs> no, no debate. There, it's not like it's not a surprise. It's not a shock. And it's not something that we even picked. The point system did the work for us. Yes, and it got us the... It validated what we already knew. Yes, it validated the number one and number two receivers all time. So, John, number two, with a raw score of 118, is... 118. I said 100. Oh, you said 118. I thought you said 218. You got Moss. (laughs) Randy Moss comes in at number two. Randy... Friggin' Moss. You know what's funny? Can we just talk about, before we get into the numbers, Randy Moss is synonymous with, like, middle school, like, high school kids. Like, you're, like, playing in the, and like, uh, right. you know, you gym and shit, and, like, you throw the ball, you got Moss. And it's like, holy shit, like, I, I, growing up, like, before I watched football, I never really understood what that meant. And then it's like, oh, shit, this is what you meant. Randy Moss was... I'm so glad that I got to watch the tail end of his career and that he was still dominant. So there's a lot of there's a lot to talk about with Randy Moss. Randy Moss spanned across you could say you could say two different eras, right? Mm-hmm. He came in late in the '90s with uh, with Minnesota, an all time great in Minnesota. And then he had that second wind of his career towards the end, right? With Joe? New like, England, with New England. After people thought he was dead in the water in Oakland. Right. Um, so let's go through the first one, two, three, four, <laughs> The five, early years. Six. Let's go through <laughs> the early years of Randy Moss. So I want to also point out that Randy Moss's uh, rookie receiving record was actually just broken by another Viking. In oh, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, which is pretty crazy how history repeats itself. Um, so right when he steps into the league, <laughs> Randy Moss, first of all, let's talk about this. Randy Moss came from Marshall, not a very known college. Byron Leftwich. Yeah. Why do I know that? Yeah. <laughs> Joe has useless knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> not a very known college, right? The accolades are as follows. Oh, God. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, which, by the way, when he was inducted into Hall of Fame, I, I cried when I watched him because he was just so proud. Yeah. Like it was just so nice. Like he was so happy to be inducted. He's incredible on on ESPN uh NFL coverage. Um six-time pro bowler, four-time all-pro. He made the Hall of Fame 2000s team. He was the 1998 offensive rookie of the year. And the 2007 comeback player of the year, right? Mm. And that's where that little that yep. little part of his career comes uh-huh. from. So, the early years in Minnesota. Right off the bat, he is hot. 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards, 1,400 yards, 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards, and almost 1,700 yards, Joe. 17 touchdowns in his rookie year, 11 touchdowns, 15 (laughs) touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 7 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns. The man was a human fucking highlight reel. (laughs) This guy, double coverage, triple coverage, didn't fucking matter. He was catching the ball. You throw the ball up and Randy Moss was catching it. Randy Moss was incredible in those early years in Minnesota, but... But, 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 there's a but coming. We do hit a little bit of a wall towards the end of Minnesota. 
Okay. And we do hit a little bit of a wall in Oakland. But boy, oh boy, do we come back in New England. <laughs> With a vengeance. With a absolute fucking vengeance. 1,500 yards and the most touchdowns all time in a single season by a wide receiver with 23, a record that may never be broken. Unbelievable. 1,000 yards with 11 touchdowns and 1,300 yards with 13 touchdowns. It was an absolute pleasure to watch Randy Moss. He is part of one of the greatest teams of all time. A near-perfect Patriots. A near-perfect Patriots team. Um, Another player who... There wasn't like a ton of winning with him, right? Yeah, but more yeah, but more winning with him than there was with T.O. Yeah, yeah, more winning with him than there was in T.O. Fantastic playoff performer. But it, it, the elephant in the room, obviously, is the 18-1 New England team. And that year, man, holy shit. I never forget the catch. There's two moments that I remember about Randy Moss, especially during the during, uh, three, right? So you got the the touchdown on Monday Night Football against the Packers where he moon fake moons the crowd, mm-hmm. which was great. Yeah. The Joe, the infamous Joe Buck call. That is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen on television. He should be whatever he said. Then there was the game on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys where he had three catches in the first half. Mm-hmm. And every catch went for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> every catch. Insane. It was like three catches for like 160 yards and three touchdowns. That's it like was, one of the most infamous performances it in history. It was ridiculous. And then the extended one-handed catch with the Patriots against the Jets. Yeah. Against the Real Revis, where it looked like he was just playing with like a with like a school child on like the on like the corner. And like wait, but let's not, <laughs> let but, Darrell Revis was no fucking slouch. No, then. that was Revis Island. All. Revis Island, and Randy Moss made him look like his bitch. It was like that was incredible. Randy Moss, folks. <laughs> Randy Moss, you got fucking Moss. Randy Moss. Now, oh boy, guys, we've had fun today. I had a good time on this list. <laughs> what we're about to do here. Is something that when John and I went through this list, I couldn't believe what I was reading. Jerry Rice, (laughs) who is obviously the number one receiver on our list. I don't know how to say this. My man's raw score... Was 227. That's over 100 and... It's 109 points higher than the second place Randy Moss. (laughs) 109. Oh, gosh. Do you really want to get into this? I mean, let's... (laughs) Let's. let's. I have have it up right now. Go ahead. Let's go. Obviously, the Hall of Fame. A 13-time Pro Bowl. A 10-time All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time AP Offensive Player of the Year, over 1,500 career catches, 22,895 career receiving yards, 197 career receiving touchdowns. He had 10 rushing touchdowns, so 207 career total touchdowns. Actually, no. 210 career total touchdowns because he threw for three touchdowns in his career as well. Mm-hmm. Four 100 catch seasons, 
14 1,000-yard receiving seasons. 14. Nine seasons with 10 or more touchdowns. And yes, he had one year where he had 22 receiving touchdowns. Led the league in receiving yards six times. 14 winning seasons in San Francisco. 15 playoff wins for Jerry Rice. I don't think I've ever seen anybody play the way Jerry Rice played. Talk about a guy who has glue for hands, the ultimate winner, okay? I believe he won Super Bowl with two different quarterbacks, both Hall of Famers. Steve Young and... and Steve Young and Joe Montana. Joe Montana. And Joe Montana. (laughs) Joe Montana. Joe Montana. And... I mean, you just look at his playoff. Let's look at his playoff career numbers. It's it's, disgusting. It's so good. So, my dude had... (laughs) It's not even right. (laughs) Oh, God. My man. Can we just talk about the 1988 season in three (laughs) games? He had 21 receptions, 409 yards, and six touchdowns. 19 and a half yards per catch. Can we talk about that for a second? That's just absurd. So, in his career... For the playoffs. Oh, my God. He also went Super Bowl with the Oakland Raiders in 2002. This year, they got they got blitzed by the Buccaneers. Yeah. But that, you know, whatever. You know what? No. I'm going to talk about that one because that's pretty incredible, too. He had 151 receptions in the playoffs. 2,245 receiving yards in the playoffs. Over 2,000. So, he had 150 catches one year. For 2,245 yards. So let's put that into perspective for one second. Antonio Brown holds the record for what? 143 catches in a year? No. Uh, the record now is Michael Thomas. My head like what? 146? I think it was 152. Right. Okay. 152. Even better. Mm-hmm. Jerry Rice eclipsed something in the playoffs that no player has been able to do during the regular season. 149. I'm sorry. Did you hear what I said? Repeat that? Sorry, I was just looking at something. He has eclipsed something in the playoffs that no player was able to do during the regular season. He had over 2,000 career receiving yards. And I don't want to hear that he played 10 more games in the playoffs, or 13 more games in the playoffs. That doesn't matter. What matters is his catches and his receiving yards. He had 151 catches over those 29 games. For 2,200 receiving yards. Never been done in the regular season. This guy did it in the playoffs for his career. The playoffs he did it. 22 career touchdowns in the playoffs. Incredible. And I just want to point something out. In 2002, he went to the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders went to the Super Bowl that year. Okay? They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 48-21. to Again, Useless information that I know. Don't know why I know that. At the age of 40, 40, Jerry Rice in three playoff games had 14 catches for 203 yards and two touchdowns with a 14 and a half yards per catch average. He was a pro bowler that year too, Joe, at 40. At 40. 92 receptions, 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. At 40. Undisputed. Undisputed number one NFL receiver of all time. 
It is nothing. Mic drop. Nothing to say. I don't know if we're ever going to see anybody of his caliber again. I do think these records may be broken because the way the league is going today. Yeah. I think these records can definitely be broken. But it can never be understated what Jerry Rice meant to the NFL, what Jerry Rice meant to the wide receiver position, what Jerry Rice meant to the future of the wide receiver position. Incredibly impactful. Won everywhere he went. Well, he only went to three places, but won everywhere he played and everywhere he went. And he did it with class. Yeah. Just otherworldly receiver. Um, I don't, There's really nothing else to say. That's a mic drop right there. That's a mic drop. So, folks, there you have it. And let's go through the list one more time. Number 11, Chris Carter. Number 10, Lance Allworth. Number 9, Fred Bolitnikoff. Number 8, Reggie Wayne. Number 7, Michael Irvin. Number 6, John Stallworth. Number five, excuse me, uh, number five is Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens, I just drew a blank. Number four is Marvin Harrison. Number three, Art Monk. Number two, uh, Randy Moss. And number one, Jerry Rice. John, Legend Series wide receivers have been completed. How do you feel? I love the list. I really do. I think I think I think we nailed it. Fair list. I think we did. I, I mean, fair. there's no Mike Evans on there. But. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Evans didn't even make our initial 39 people. No, he definitely didn't. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> Cry. Yeah, we know. You know. You know. What we're talking to. So now, on this podcast, which we're about to wrap up, we have the decision to make, John, of what position we want to do next week. Hmm. I think that we should go to the defensive side of the football. I'm going to give you two options. Corners or defensive line. Corners. Want to do corners? Let's do corners. All right. So wait, when we do corners, are we talking like safeties and free safeties? I know. I have corners and safeties as a separate thing. Okay. All right. So we're going corners. Yes. All right. Sounds we're good going to me. Straight corners. Mm-hmm. So there you have it, folks. Next week, we are going to do cornerbacks. Uh, in this legend series, and then we're going to go back to the offensive side of the football, where I think we may take a stab at the running back position. In a oh, I'd love weeks. to talk about the running back position. Yeah, let's get busy with some running backs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, and then maybe we'll sprinkle in some head coaches in there. Maybe it's possible. Yeah, because we're going over everything in the legend series. Yeah. We're going over teams. We're going over head coaches. We're going over. Players, everything. It's it's the whole. You're getting the whole the whole shebang from us because we're gonna be doing this next couple of months. So, so I think we had a good time today. Clocked in at about an hour and fifteen hour twenty minutes. I think we did a good time with this. I hope you guys had fun. Uh, list will be posted on Twitter. Um, at PSP Pod. at PSP Pod. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think about our list. Who did we miss? Who missed the cut that should have been on there? And no, Mike Evans is not an answer. Could somebody get the podcast to Art Monk now? Because now I kind of want him to hear it. <laughs> I will definitely send it to Art Monk. Just send it like directly to him because I'm sure he'd like, he'd enjoy it. Yeah. I'm sure he's a sweet guy. I'm sure Art Monk's a great guy. <laughs> so 
John, anything before we leave? That's it, man. Uh, well, I had a great time. I forgot to say my annual thing. Subscribe, rate, review, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Apple, Spotify. Deezer. Deezer, Stitcher, Stitcher. Pandora. Hey, even Buzzsprout. Whatever you want to do. YouTube. YouTube. Whatever you want to do. We are everywhere. Everywhere you look, PSP's there. All right, folks. It's been a lovely Thursday night for John McCarthy, my co-host. My name is Joe Miglio. And we'll see you all next week where we get to go to maybe Revis Island. Oh. I don't know. Come back and find out. Have a good night, everybody.